Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Oh, Pastor Coach. Oh, Kayla, fantastic job on the keys. Can you guys give it up for takeover worship? Come on. Wow. Oh, man. I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Is he king of the world? Is he king of the universe? Is he king of your life? Do you love him this morning? Will you praise him loudly? Come on. Come on. Come on. I don't know who the whistle was, but that was amazing. I, here we go. I can't whistle. I, uh, yeah. Anyways, there's a story. I won't go there. Anyways, uh, it's good, but man, I'm so grateful to be in the house of the Lord, with the Lord, with you this morning, and I got to tell you, uh, we went and saw um, and worshiped, not went and saw, that's rubbish. I, worship bands that tour don't put on concerts, they, they just put on a worship service, amen, that's just what they do. I hate calling it a concert, that's rubbish, because they're not performing for us, they're, they're bringing us into a place of greater glory with the Lord, amen. And we went, and it was amazing, and Bethel led us in worship, and at one point I just leaned over and I was like, man. These people here, I'm sure they love Jesus, but they don't eat like this every week, like we eat like this every week. Come on, because our worship team pours it out at the feet of Jesus, and what we get is the byproduct, amen? And I want to say this too, the fact that we've made a home for him, and he continues to show up the way he does in our midst, I want to tell you, that's not simply a credit unto myself but that's a credit unto all of us and I want to say to you take over church thank you for being willing to worship God as he calls us to worship him because it blesses me it blesses me I pray it blesses you but I am so grateful that all of us are on board to make a home for him amen I love being in his presence there's nowhere else I'd rather be oh y'all want the word of God this morning I'm not sure you do. No, I'm kidding. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. We are continuing the prophetic word that we are stewarding all year long called fire upon the earth coming out of Luke 12, 49, where Jesus lays out his game plan. I have come to cast fire upon the earth to, be, have, to raise myself a body, a kingdom, a burning bride in the earth. That's what Jesus has come to establish. And for us, we want to be that bride. Amen. We're not interested, and we'll get to it later, but we're not interested in being found lukewarm out here. No, 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 no. We are giving our lives to burn white hot for the Savior of ours. Amen? So this morning, if you're taking notes, titled my message for, I think it's week 15 or 16 or some, what is it? Boom! Week 18. There we go. I was going to look at my notes, and then it's fine. Uh, ready for this? Week 18. Buying fire. Buying fire. Buying fire. Ask your neighbor, when's the last time you purchased some fire? When is the last time you purchased fire? Turn to your second choice neighbor and ask them, hey, where'd you get that spark? You should have bought a fire. Second choice neighbor, shut up. Coming out of the book of Revelations. Today we are, today we're double dipping. It's going to be awesome. 
because we are the ones, we are the ones who put uh, mile markers on this, not, uh, not Jesus and not John, who is the author of the book of Revelation. So we're going to start in Revelation 2, where we left off two weeks ago, and uh, we're going to continue on to Revelation 3. But hey, before we do, y'all, can you give it up for the prophet of the house, Zach Kramer, brought a great word last week, just come on, cast some fire on them devils. I loved it. What, a, what an amazing time. And Truly, I think it needs to be said, I was going to make a video this week, but then the devil tried to come for us, and we had to put our foot on his neck. So I didn't have time to make a video because I was putting a foot on the devil's neck. But Jesus, he tells this amazing parable about, uh, about demons and delivering. And, and as he goes and he actually performs this deliverance over this young man, he tells him, he says, go and keep your house clean. Keep your house clean. If you do not keep your house clean, that devil we just cast out is going to come back with seven of his cousins, and you're going to be worse off than you were before. So you got to know this. If you get delivered, if you get healed, if you get set free, if something like this takes place where the Lord just overarches into your life and removes something that's been binding you and bounding you up, it's your duty from that moment forward to keep your house clean. Pastor Matt, what does that look like? That looks like not engaging in the very things that first open up the door to the demonic in your life. So if it's pornography, you cut that out. If it's sex with somebody you're not married to, you cut that out. If it's music you're listening to, if it's movies you're looking at, if it's going to places and clubs and hanging out with friends that you shouldn't be hanging out with right now where you're not strong enough to be in the mission field to deliver them, you just got delivered. Sometimes you need to take a pause. Don't allow the devil to twist scripture. And tell you to continue to hang out with people who are leading you on demonic pathways. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. Keep your house clean. I'm telling you, it's worth it because one day those devils will keep showing up and they will realize they are no longer welcomed. They will no longer be tolerated. And they will quit trying to mess with you because the Holy Spirit has come and dwelt on the inside of you. And he will slap every devil up who tries to come to your home. Amen? Come on. Put a devil on, uh, put, a, put a foot on his neck and let's do this. All right, Revelations 2, here we go. Ready? Yeah. All right, yo, give it up. Who I got back there? Got Phil in the booth? Come on. Oh, we got a girl Jenny back there holding it down. Come on. Oh, she's still Jenny from the block. You know what I'm saying? I love you and I'm so sorry. Uh, Revelations 2, 18 through 29. Here we go. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira. Here we go. The word of the Son of God who has eyes like flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, your faith, and your service, your patient endurance, and that your latter works exceeded the first. Sounds good. But I have this against you. Somebody say, oh, snap. That you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. All the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and the heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you of Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan to you, I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast. Somebody say, hold fast. Hold fast, hold fast what you have until I come, and the one who conquers 
and who keeps my works until the end, him I will give over my authority over the nations, and he will rule them with an iron rod as when an earthen's pots are broken to pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from my father, I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelations 3, here we go. And to the angel of the Lord of Sardis, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Somebody say, wake up. And strengthen what remains as it is about to die. For I do not find your works complete in the sight of God. Remember then that you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief in the night. And you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. Somebody say, I want to be found worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And to the angel, the church of Philly, Philadelphia, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have a little bit of power, and yet, somebody say, and yet, and yet, come on, those of us that are young in our faith, but we are full of it, this is for you, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogues of Satan who say they are Jews, but are not, but lie, and behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn. Somebody say, go and learn. And I have loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole wide world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Somebody say, hold fast. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And to the angel of, La or to the, angel of the church of Laodicea, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works. And you are neither hot nor cold. With that, you were either cold or hot. So because you were lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich and I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you were wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me. Somebody say, buy from me. Buy from me, bless you. Buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. White garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. Salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him and eat. I will eat with him and he with me and the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. And you already know it, church. He that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. We're going to get it. 
We're going to get it. Today we came. This isn't vegetarian. This isn't junk food. Today we came for the entire cow and we are going to get everything that Jesus has for us out of this. Amen? And then we're going to have a potluck and we're probably going to eat some real cow and it's going to be awesome. And if you're a vegetarian in this place, well, hey, we're praying for you. And uh, we're going to pray right now and then we're going to have a great rest of the day together. Does that sound good? Cool. I encourage you to stick around. Man, Kenny's going to be grilling out back in a little bit here and we're just going to have a good family time. Amen? Cool. Let's pray. Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God. Oh, I love you. I love you so much. I thank you for everything you're doing in this room. God, I pray. I pray today that we would grasp the revelation that Jesus has of himself, God. I pray today, Lord, that we would learn from these churches that Jesus spoke to in present, that eclipses us prophetically, God, that we would learn, God, from what Jesus has spoken to his bride today, and we would be a bride worthy of returning for. We would be a bride of a remnant that is burning in the earth that says, God, if you're coming, come here. Lord, I pray today, God, that you would take us by the hand and you would begin to mold us, make us pliable clay yet again, Lord. We long, God, to be your Imago Day in the earth again, your image in the earth. We long, God. So fill us with your spirit even greater today. Holy Spirit, we give you the platform. This is your house. This is your room. This is yours, God. We are but your servants. We are but your sons. We are but your daughters. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, come and make us like you. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church who's ready to get it says, No, I said a faith-filled church said, Amen. Amen. Oh, man. Buying fire. Buying fire. Buying fire. That sounds crazy to me, but I want it. And I believe today we're going to get it. But first and foremost, we need a wee bit of recap real quick, okay? Remember this. As we go through these last lessons of Jesus, you know what's wild is a few weeks ago when Jesus, when we were praying and he was like, you want to have a bride on fire? I'm like, I want to be a bride on fire. He's like, you want to see a bride on fire? I was like, I want to see a bride on fire. He's like, preach the last lessons of Jesus. The same messages that blew the early church away, that set the early church on fire, that changed the entire trajectory of the earth. Preach those messages. And so we started with the last of his gospels and all of those good things and when the Holy Spirit comes. But I got to tell you, when we begin to preach out of the book of Revelation, suddenly something shifts, something different happens. And what happens is, is we begin to preach from Jesus's point of view of himself. These aren't the recordings of somebody else. This isn't John or, or, or Peter or anybody else watching and taking notes or Matthew watching and taking notes or Dr. Luke watching and taking notes. No, this is Jesus's self-described, self-prescribed revelation of himself. And so suddenly we begin to understand Jesus and grasp Jesus from a whole nother level. We're not just viewing him from somebody else that we're already eye level with, we are, we are learning and looking and beholding him from this throne room level that he sees himself at. And I got to tell you, I believe ever since we started doing this, going into the book of Revelations, I think we've gone to a whole nother level as a church. I think he's shown up in a whole nother level in our midst. I think he is doing things in this room that he freely feels like he can now do in this room. And I got to tell you, I believe there's more. Do you believe there's more today? There's more but we got to understand the book of Revelation is not simply a revelation of the end of days. 
the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. The book of Revelation is not just a revelation of the end times, but it is the revelation of the return of the king. Amen? This is what this whole entire book is about. And today, we have too many Christians and too many churches who do not hold fast to the same revelation of Jesus that Jesus holds fast to about himself. And because of that, because we often do not hold the same revelation of him that he holds of himself, we forego the freedom the freedom, the true liberation that comes along with the one true holy God. You see, to quote Jesus, he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? I said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Has anybody been set free tonight, this morning? Come on, somebody. You shall know the truth and the truth shall? Set you free. I'm still not convinced you're free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall? Come on. What is the truth? The truth is Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. This is what he says. But friends, if you do not understand the book of Revelation, which is the revelation of Jesus himself, about himself, and from himself for ourselves, if you are even off in the slightest of how he sees himself, if you and I do not hold the same revelation he has, well, then it's no wonder you and I live in perpetual bondage. It's no wonder that you and I are fighting tooth and nail weekly just to remain holy. It's no wonder you and I were showing up. I need you to pray. I need you to deliver me. I need you to set free. I was watching porn. I was sleeping with my girl. I was sleeping with my guy. I was stepping on my marriage. I was doing all these dodgy things at work. All of this continues to happen and plague the church. When I got to tell you, friends, there's actually a time in church history, world history, where these things were not prominent among Christians. Because Christians shared the same revelation of Jesus that Jesus shares of himself. If our revelation, if your revelation, if my revelation of who he says he is differs from who he says he is himself in the slightest way, you and I will live in disorder, out of order, and our life will follow that order. It's the reality. And I got to tell you, I know we're coming straight from the jump and we're about to talk about Jezebel and some other stuff. It's going to be awesome. And then we're supposed to eat food afterwards together. Wild. How are we supposed to talk after this? I, I don't know. We should pray some more and eat. It's quiet. I don't know. But here's the deal. Part of me, in my flesh, wants to say, I know this is tough. But my spirit is screaming on the inside of me. This isn't tough. This is biblical. This isn't tough. This is biblical. The church would not have a hard time. The Bible would not be a tough pill to swallow if Christians just believed the Bible. The word of God would not be a tough pill to swallow if churches and preachers just preached the Bible. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? For some reason, at some point in time, we decided we need to get a revelation of you. We need to get a revelation of me. 
We need to get a revelation of the human condition. Jesus came, died, resurrected, ascended to heaven and sent his spirit to live inside you and me to what? Kill the human condition and revive a resurrected bride in the earth. He doesn't give a rip about the human condition because he came <laughs> to subvert, to supplant, and to ultimately bury six feet deep the man and the woman you and I used to be. And he raised to life in Christ Jesus himself in all of us. So friends, if we continue on this track and we continue to share in a lesser revelation, you will live from a lesser revelation. You will experience a lesser revelation. And why this is prominent is because we know from John, who is the author of the book of Revelation, who is abandoned in banishment, cast out onto island called Padmos. He is alone on a prison island there to crush rocks and die. That's where the book of Revelation takes place. Not a synagogue. It's not takeover church. It's not a temple. This man is alone. Left to his fate to ultimately die. So what does that have to do with the book of Revelation? You see, John was entrusted with the revelation, with Jesus' self-revelation of himself because John was a great preacher? No. Because John was the highest tither? No. Because John showed up the most faithfully? Yes. Yes. See, all these things that you and I, we measure ourselves on isn't really the same measurements that Jesus plays by. You see, we compare and contrast ourselves to other men while John compared and contrasts himself to Jesus alone. You see, John, the reason he was able to be trusted with the book of Revelation is because no matter where Jesus' ministry was at, John was found with his ear to the heartbeat of heaven. And if you're a little lost when I say that, go back to two weeks ago and listen to that message. But you gotta understand this. When Jesus was on ministry, in ministry on the earth, where was John found? With his ear on the chest of Jesus, hearing the heartbeat of the darling of heaven. And when John is abandoned after being embarrassed and boiled in oil in front of 80,000 people in the Roman Colosseum, where was John found? He was found with his ear still inclined, still in tune, still pressed up against the chest, the doorways of heaven of Lord Jesus. Didn't matter where John was, he was pressed up against Jesus. Didn't matter what condition John found himself in, he was pursuing Lord Jesus. In the flesh or on his throne, Jesus is still in ministry and John remained committed to being intimate with Jesus. That's why he got entrusted. That's why he was found trustworthy to steward, handle, and relay the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. And I wonder, I wonder, are we the type of bride that can be entrusted with the revelation of Jesus Christ himself? Are we, are we amongst the ranks of John who has been entrusted 
with God's self-described revelation of himself? Can we be found worthy if he's coming back for a burning bride, a remnant in the earth? Are we going to be that burning bride, that remnant in the earth, you and me? Because friends, I got to tell you, the days are long gone where your pastor could be the only one who shares in the same revelation that Jesus has for himself. Gone are the days where your church on their own as a statement of faith can hold a biblical worldview. These days are gone. It's not enough for me to have the revelation of Jesus. You need to have the revelation of Jesus. It's not enough for Takeover Church to hold a biblical worldview. You have to hold a biblical worldview. Friends, if God is going to do everything he's promised to this house that he wants to do, it will not be on my faith, my worldview, my revelation alone, but it will be upon a united burning remnant in West Michigan. I appreciate anybody this morning. So who wants to talk about Jezebel? Thyatira. Thyatira. You see, I love this. And part of me wanted to scooty boot uh, past this part. Not because I don't want to talk about Jezebel. I really want to talk about Jezebel. But because I got a vision of where we're going to go. So uh, it's really going to be about uh, Thyatira. Um, and I'm forgetting the other church's name, but we'll get there in a minute. But anyways, in the last church that Jesus is talking to, the other two, we'll kind of scrunch them in. Anyways, it's all good. So Thyatira. Speaking of a church that does not hold the same revelation of Jesus that Jesus holds of himself, Thyatira. Thyatira. See, it's interesting. Jesus, he starts it off and it sounds really good. He's like, John, you write this down, Thyatira. You tell him, I see your love. I see how well you love. I see your acts of service. I see how well you serve your community. I see how you've lived with patient endurance. And if God, the king of the universe, came to any single one of us, we'd be like, yes, Jesus, tell me how great I am. Keep telling me how good I've served you, God. Keep telling me how awesome of a son I am, how awesome of a daughter I am. Keep, come on, come on, come on. And then all of a sudden, Jesus hits on with the heaven's big butt. And he says, but... I have this against you. And we've been on this tangent for a while now. Take over church. We will give our lives, you and me. We will give our lives to hear at the end of our lives. Well done, good and faithful servants. What we will not tolerate is any one of us crossing that finish line and hearing, but I have this against you. We are going to spend our lives on Jesus. We're not going to spend our lives simply on a ministry. We're not going to send our lives simply on a 501c3. We're not going to simply spend our lives in some organized situation. Instead, we are going to spend our lives being his burning eternal bride. Something that Thyatira obviously wasn't interested in. Because here they are, love, patience, endurance, acts of service. And they're all like, yes, tell me more, God. And God goes, yeah, but I have this against you. You have tolerated that woman, Jezebel. And you've allowed her to seduce my servants. 
If you're a pastor in here, remind yourself today that the people that serve on your team are not your servants. They are his, and they need to be stewarded well. You have allowed this woman, Jezebel, to seduce my servants into practicing sexual immorality and eating food offered unto idols. And so we look right there and we got to pause and we can see the prophetic image because while, yes, Jesus is speaking to this specific church like we talked about when we first going into Revelation, it is for a present church and a prophetic church. The church currently at the time and the church that will be you and me and the church that will come long after us, okay? God's word is God's word for all people, for all time, for every time. Amen? It's always, forever. He's the same yesterday, tomorrow, and forever. He will never, ever change. And so he says, you have tolerated this woman Jezebel. And I think we can look around the world right now and we can see a whole lot of Thyatiras in the bride. Because for us, we're going, I love our acts of service. We're so love, we're so affirming. We're so open and inclusive. Haven't you seen our service to the world, our social justice? And by that, of course, we mean not just our toleration, but rather our celebration of the spirit of Jezebel. You see, I can look right now, I can look right now, and I can look at John's present situation and how the spirit of Jezebel was at work. And I can look at our present situation, I can see how the spirit of Jezebel was at work. But you see, John's a good Jewish boy. John's a good Jewish boy. He went to synagogue all the time. He's a good Jewish boy. And what does a good Jewish boy know? The Torah. What does Jew good Jewish boys know? The story of Elijah, the history of the greatest prophet probably to ever walk the earth. Elijah. And what did Elijah battle up against? Well, in Elijah's day, there was this king, and his name was Ahab. Y'all know him? King Ahab. And King Ahab, he didn't think with what was between his ears, but rather what was between his legs. And so King Ahab got himself a wife, and her name was Jezebel. You beginning to get the picture? So Jezebel is his wife, and she had King Ahab wrapped right around her little immoral fingers. And what ends up happening is Jezebel led her husband to raise up 400 prophets of Baal. A false god. Some call him Baal, some call him Moloch, but really what he is is the god of child sacrifice and sexual immorality. And what they would do is they would raise up arguments against God's elect, God's prophets. They would raise up against God himself and they would run roughshod over everybody and everything, intimidating, locking people up, jailing, killing, pillaging, among other things, communities until they began to bow down and worship Baal and Moloch themselves. And so what happens is, is they end up having this altar off with Elijah bless you and this altar off with Elijah and what ends up happening is the 400 prophets of Baal under order of Jezebel begin to offer 
child sacrifices and mutilate their bodies upon the altar and pour their blood out in hopes that Baal Moloch would send down fire because that was the wager. First God to send fire upon the altar wins. And as you know the story and how it goes, Elijah and his cronies, well, God told Elijah, keep throwing water on the altar. And Elijah's going, shouldn't we get some fire? And then God goes, no, nah, water will do because he's God. And he loves to make a mockery of the principalities of darkness. Amen. It's what he does. Devil ain't no thing. He's going to rub his nose in it and he's going to blow him away. And so it's easy enough to look at how Jezebel's always operated. You see, in Elijah's day, they were mutilating their bodies and offering up children as sacrifice. And today, we don't necessarily do the same, but what the church has found itself doing is affirming the spirit of Jezebel. And so we affirm people mutilating their bodies. And instead of offering up children's sacrifices, we affirm abortion. And then we also tell people to go and get stem cells from aborted babies and put in their back so that they can live longer while the child was sacrificed. Thyatira, the church of the West. I know it's heavy, but it wouldn't be heavy if our predecessors of the people before us, our forefathers of the last 100 years, stuck to their guns, held fast to the word of God. You and I would not need this reminder. We'd be walking in Zion by now if they would have done their job. I love you. I cannot equip you with lies. I have to equip you with truth. And now is the time to not shy away. The fight is ours. Church of Thyatira. But there's good news. Somebody say there's good news. There's good news. So those that have affirmed, those that have worshipped the spirit of Jezebel, those that have laid with her, been seduced by her, recreated and procreated with her, those, God goes, Jezebel, I'm going to place you on a sickbed. Game over. And those that have laid with her and have yet to repent, I will throw you, I will thrust you into many tribulations. You will learn. But, Jesus loves his buts. Jesus says, but, those of you, those few of you in Thyatira, who have not bowed to Jezebel's ways, who have not given in to her lies and her seduction, those of you that have held fast to my name, you, you will receive your crown of glory. You will be conquerors. You will be seated with me in heavenly places. You, you, that have held fast. Somebody say, hold fast. You that have held fast. You will be my conquerors. You will be seated with me. I will be your reward. You will be my bride. In fact, I'm mistaking it right now. What does he say? Ah, oh, here we go. Are you ready for this? <laughs> He says, the one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations and they will rule 
like an iron rod to clay pots. Listen here, you want to buy fire? This is how you start doing it. You want to buy fire? Does anybody want to buy fire today? You want to buy fire? How you buy fire is you hold fast to what Jesus says. You hold fast to God's word. You want to buy authority today? This is how you do it. If you want to wield fire, you yield to his word. If you want to wield fire, you yield to his word. You see, I love this. I love this. I love this. If you want to wield authority, you yield to his spirit. If you want to wield authority, you yield to his spirit. Because I love this part. Because he says, I will give you the authority over nations, those who conquer. And then most of us, we're sitting here going, I've never been a king. I've never been a president. I was never even president of my class. I was not valedictorian. I have no idea what it looks like to rule in any capacity. And then Jesus goes, I will give you the authority of an iron rod to a clay pot. See, Jesus is so good because he understands most of us have no idea what it looks like to rule a nation, but every single one of us can picture what it looks like to have an iron rod and smash them clay pots. Clay pots don't stand a chance. That's the kind of authority that you can begin to buy when you decide, if I want to wield the authority, I'm going to yield to his scripture. I want to wield the fire, I got to yield to his spirit. If I want to wield the power of heaven, I have to yield to the darling of heaven. Angie preached a great word to our serve crew this morning about that. So if you want to start serving, we always bring it up. But if you want the authority, the fire of heaven, you yield to the king of heaven, Thyra Tyra. Thyra Tyra. See, friends, gone are the days, gone are the days where you and I can live on secondhand revelation. Secondhand revelation will kill the Christian quicker than secondhand smoke. Understand me today. The world is heading in a direction where no longer is there gray, no longer are there options. You will either live for him or you will look like them. Too many churches today, they operate with a limited amount of authority because they yield to the authority of this world. Too many Christians today operate, wield a limited authority because they have yielded to the authority of this world. And we wonder why we have prayerless churches and powerless Christians. We wonder why we can walk in to these amazing, beautiful churches and yet never once while we're there lay our eyes on the beauty of Jesus. Because you've constructed for yourself something beautiful in your own image, and yet his image has never walked through your hallways. Let Thyatira be a lesson to us. We break off agreements with this world and we come into agreement with heaven, amen? I know it's heavy, I get that. But now is the time for a burning bride to strengthen herself, amen? So what's next? Sardis, 
Sardis is cool. I like Sardis. So Jesus shows up and appears to Sardis and he starts giving them all sorts of great things too. You ready for this? The words of him who has the seven spirits, he says, I know your works, I know your reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You are dead. Friends, what kind of reputation do you want to have and who do you want to have the reputation with? Who do you want to have a reputation with and what kind of reputation do you want to have? Jesus says to Sardis, I can tell. You have this reputation of being alive. You've somehow manufactured a false version of my presence and people are falling for it. But we're not called to manufacture a false presence, right? We're called to manifest a tangible presence. Preaching to anybody this morning. We're not called to manufacture a false presence. We're called to manifest a tangible presence of the living God. That's who we are. This is what the church is being called back to. There is a time right now where the Lord is saying, get back to hosting me. You are tolerating Jezebel while tolerating me. If you tolerate Jezebel, you reject Jesus. If you host me, you will reject Jezebel. He's calling us. He's calling us. The same thing he is saying to Sardis. You have this reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You look good. Every song is on key. It's all sung on pitch. It sounds really good. You got the chairs. You got the pastor with the button down. You got the pastor's wife who's called the first lady. You've got it all. But you're dead. But you're dead. There's no heartbeat in that place. Which is interesting because Jesus is saying, you have a reputation, but clearly their reputation isn't with heaven. Clearly their reputation by proxy is not by heaven. He says, you have a reputation of being alive. You can fool everybody else around you. You can fool the people who are a part of your church. You can fool your community. You can look like you have it all going on horizontally, but vertically, you're dead. Friends, who... What do you want your reputation to be and whose do you want it to be with? Do you want to be known as alive horizontally or do you want to be known as alive vertically? Because I want to have the reputation of heaven. Friends, let me ask you today, is Takeover Church going to have the reputation of being alive with heaven or are we going to hold and fall to a revelation of being dead with heaven? I'm not too concerned with our reputation around Grand Rapids. If you come to our church, you're going to meet God. He's going to move powerfully in your life. And we know that because we've laid down and allowed him to do that. He controls the morning, not us. Right? That's what we do here. So reputation with Grand Rapids, I'm not super concerned with. But what I am desperately concerned with, deeply concerned with, I am grieved by, is our reputation with heaven. Are we going to be Sardis? Are we going to be having a reputation in our community of being alive, but being known to heaven as being dead? Who do you want to be? What do you want to do? 
How are we going to begin to live our lives for him to a greater measure? The only reputation I am concerned with today is not our community. It is with heaven. The church has put the cart before the horse far too long and we will not follow suit we will be a home for him we will exist for him we minister unto him we will not start another program unless he is firmly rooted in getting what is his the love and adoration and affection of his saints preaching anybody this morning however speaking of which we are enlarging the kids classrooms next week so that's a little fun so everyone with kids who are running around going like, I can't breathe back there. Thursday, knocking on a wall. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> well, somebody else. Anyways, it's good. Now you got me thrown off. Okay, here we go. So here we go. Then Sardis, I love this part. Can you tell I've had a week? I'm actually looking at my scripture, which is nuts. Um, oh, it's been a week. A lot of spiritual warfare to get here today, guys. Tell you what, the Lord is moving. So I pray this hits you. What's amazing here is, Jesus, he says to Sardis, and he goes, so many of you, you've bought white linen. You've gotten your white linen. You've done it. But Jesus points it out here. You can be dazzling and white and yet still soil your garments. Let's talk about that. Jesus, we all talk about we want to be a burning bride, dazzling, white, no blemishes to be found. We want to present ourselves pure and blameless before him, right? There's a point where we as a church, we as individual Christians, we can actually be dazzling, be in white, have no blemishes, and yet somehow before crossing the finish line into eternity, soil ourselves. I think that's something we actually need to talk about. I think it's actually something we need to face. I think we actually need to sit here and go, who are we going to be? Are we going to be committed to remaining dazzling white? Or are we going to allow these little foxes to get through that poison and destroy and spoil the whole vineyard and ultimately end up soiling ourselves? Friends, I got to believe the reason they soiled themselves is because they started engaging in things that God said, I don't want that in you. I don't want that in you. Something made you sick. No one soils themselves for the heck of it. If they do, we need to cast a demon out of them. Bring them here. We'll fix it. I hope. But nobody, nobody soils themselves on purpose. It means they were engaging in things, letting things in, doing things that clearly God said is not best for stewardship of your life. Friends, if we are going to be this church that is truly found alive, we need to be dressed in white, dazzling, pure, and blameless in his sight. And we need to follow his word, not our feelings, his word, not culture's teachings, his word to a T. Because it's only then and only this way that those of us who remain in white he says, I get to walk with him hand in hand. Hand in hand. So we definitely don't want to be Thyatira, and we, we really don't want to be Sardis soiling ourselves, but, but there is this next church that we see. And it's the church of Philadelphia. Now, when you think about Philadelphia, it's interesting because a lot of us, we think about the state, Philadelphia. 
No, the Bible was obviously written long before America even existed. Okay? Jesus did not take this from a great city in our nation. The nation named this great city after this passage of scripture. It's true. Named it after this place. It's where Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles, Philadelphia whatever, this is where they get their name. Which is interesting. Because I guess if there's one church to be named after that Jesus is talking about in Revelations 2 and 3, Philadelphia is not a bad one. See, Jesus apparently loves Philly. He's not a big fan of Philly cheesesteaks, he tells me, but he's a big fan of Philly's faith. And so what does he say? He says, I know you. I know you, Philadelphia. I know you. Are you ready for this? I got to find Philadelphia. There it is. I'm an idiot. Oh, oh I just lost it again. What the? Oh, okay. And to the angel of Philadelphia, the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I know your works. And he says, behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. He says, you have little power, but you have held fast to my name. You have held fast to my word, and you haven't denied my name. This is incredible. You see, Philadelphia, God over them. He says, he has opened a door of heaven that which no man can shut. Friends, there is a way that we can live. There's a way that we can worship. There's a way that we can be united around the word of God in the name of Jesus that enables the king of the universe to rend open the heavens. It's called in church history an open heaven. In Irish history, a thin place. It is known as a place where heaven comes so close to earth that the difference is thin. In this open heaven, miracles are just normal. In an open heaven, prayers are answered quickly. Deliverances happen daily. Healings come easy. Provision, hidden manna falls from the heavens and feeds everyone continuously. There's a door that heaven longs to open over a church that no man can shut but just because heaven longs to invade our space doesn't mean that the church longs for heaven to invade their space. Who do you want to be? What kind of church do we want to be? Do we want to be this church of Philadelphia that has said, God, we give you our lives. Rend the heavens. Open it above. We want to live in a perpetual open heaven. Lord, would you do it here? Friends, I got to believe every single one of us would want that, right? Every single one of us, we want to see prayers answered quickly. We want to see healings come without having to strive. We don't want to be battling with demons for 50 minutes straight. We want to cast them out, throw them out, and get back to the one thing we're here to do worship King Jesus that's what we want to do in an open heaven the recipe for an open heaven 
Not that we can bend the arm or twist the arm of God behind his back, but what he tells us, what pleases him, is in this moment he says, you have held fast to my word and you have not denied my name. You've held fast to my word and you have not denied my name. Friends, if we're going to be a church like this church of Philadelphia, it's not going to just be Pastor Matt who holds fast to the word of God and doesn't deny his name. It's not just going to be the front row Christians who hold fast to his word and don't deny his name. It's going to be back row. It's going to be this row, this row, all of us. It is going to be an entire bride, an entire body that says, no, we will have, we will possess, we will live under an open heaven that no man can shut. You see, we can have moments where heaven comes near. We can catch glimpses of this reality that God has for us. We can have these little moments where we host him, where we're good for five months and then we need another one, where we're good for two years and then we need another Jesus jump, where we're good for a little bit and now we're, all of a sudden we're going, hey, remember when God used to move like this amongst us? Remember when God used to show up in these tangible ways? Remember when God used to do this? Let it never be said of us that we have to live off the member berries of God's movements behind us. Let it never be said of us that we live off of the member berries of what God has done previously in us. But we need to long for an evasion of heaven in our midst, friends. He says it's available. He tells us how to do it, but it's going to take unity in this house but not unity around a pastor and his words, not unity over a worship song, not unity over X, Y, and Z in this service and that service. No, unity around the word of God and the exalting of his name. It's not enough to simply not deny his name. We need to be a church that exalts his name. I preached to anybody this morning. He says, no man can shut it. No, what's interesting about no man can shut it. Not every church can obtain it because it takes this level of resurrected abandonment into what he says, into his name, into his glory. Friends, I want us to host an open heaven. I want us to live from an open heaven I want us to be the kind of church where we have more than enough, where hidden manna is sustaining the saints, where we're not going from breakdown to beat down to breakdown to beat down, but we are going from breakthrough to breakthrough, strength to strength and glory unto glory. Amen. And he is saying, this is available. You want to buy fire? You want to buy an open heaven? What do you got to do? You got to yield to him. You've got to yield to him. See, we live in a time and place where we yield to almost everything else but him. And we have set up church to yield to everyone else but him. Someone doesn't like the music too loud, yield. Someone doesn't like the service too long, yield. Someone doesn't like the preacher preaching that hard, yield. And if we don't yield, they leave. Well, we need to pay to keep the lights on, yield. 
And we wonder why we have dry turkey bone churches with no life, no glory, no resurrection power flowing through its halls, no children prophesying to their schoolmates. We have the appearance of being alive because the lights are on, but surely we're dead. I preach to anybody this morning. I long to live from an open heaven. Do you? That no man can shut. No man can shut. And then there's the church of Laodicea. Laodicea. You want to talk about probably the biggest buffoon of all of them that Jesus addresses. It is the church of Laodicea. You see, he doesn't even really come gentle on this one at all. He doesn't ease into this rebuke. No, 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 no. He actually says to him, you say that you've prospered. You say that you're rich. You say that you need for nothing. Do you not realize that you are naked, pitiable, blind, bankrupt? Do you not understand that you're poor? Do you not understand that you are in desperate need of me? Somehow you think you've arrived and yet I've never walked through your church ever. You haven't even begun being a church because I've never been there. See, the church of Laodicea, well, they got programs for everybody but God. They get people saved not unto God, but unto themselves. They disciple people not unto God, but unto themselves. And they sing songs for themselves. And they sing songs about themselves, not to him or about him. And this is a continual trend with the church of Laodicea. You see, everything in the church of Laodicea is about the people that make up the church of Laodicea. And this is a grievance this is something that is distraught in the kingdom of heaven right now. This is making the church sick right now, where we feel like we have arrived, we are rich, we are prosperous, and we need for nothing. Friends, can I tell you, if you meet a pastor who says, I don't need prayer for anything, be weary of them. What do you think, you arrived? That just means you're not being honest means you're trying to have a reputation that is horizontal, not vertical. You think we've arrived? Yeah, we're further along because we're called to be. It's where God's brought us. I don't live from a perpetual place of brokenness and sadness and beatdowns. No. But leaders are called to run ahead and prepare the way for the flock to run down. That's what we do here. I kill myself daily so that you can run past me one day. That's the game plan. I long to live at this altar with my, my hands and knees and my back as a platform for you to launch off of into greater works for God. That's what we do here. That's the church. That's what Jesus did. That's what we do. And that's what the church needs to get back to. Not, I'm rich, I've prospered, I want for nothing. You see, Laodicea lost their first love, abandoned it. 
They decided it looks good, so it must be good. They've believed the lie, healthy things grow. No, anointed things multiply. Anointed things multiply. They've convinced themselves that just because they got people in the door, God must be pleased with them. Friends, you can turn on football any given Sunday and you can see tens of thousands of people in an arena and God not be among them. Masses, masses do not beget the master. Masses do not beget the master. He will not be bought. He will not be bent. And he will not be manipulated. And woe to those that try to bend and buy and manipulate our God. They can't manipulate me. This is who I am. This is what I do. You are pitiable, poor, and blind. I am your sustainer. I am your provider. I am the reason for the church. I am the reason you come together. I am the reason that you're prospering. Get back to me. In fact, what he says to them, worship me if you want to make your way up here. What he says to them is you want to buy fire? He goes, I counsel you, buy from me. Buy from me. Buy from me gold from the fire. Buy from me white garments. Buy from me anointing salve for your eyes that you may see. Gold from fire so that you may actually be rich. White garments so that your shame can be far from you, can actually be clothed. And buy from me anointing salve for your eyes so that you can actually see. Well, Pastor Matt, you told me I've got to buy things from God? Yes. Pastor Matt, you're saying I've got to buy things from Jesus. Well, Jesus said it. I'm just repeating it. Wait, you're telling me this salvation that's supposed to be a free gift for me now, I can't just be a conscientious, non-objector, participant, sports spectator on the sidelines riding the bench, B-League. I have to do something? Yes. Well, make that make sense for me. I'm sorry. He that wants to find his life must what? First, lose his life. Friends, if this thing costs Jesus everything, it is for sure going to cost you and I everything. But can I tell you, you can buy fire. You can buy anointing. You could buy gold that makes you truly rich. You could buy garments that you will not soil. You can buy salve that will anoint your eyes to truly see things for what they are from heaven's advantage point seated at the throne of Jesus. We have too many Christians today peddling fool's gold and not enough Christians who possess the gold from the fire. See the reason you got fool's gold it's because you've only lived outside the throne room. The reason you have fool's gold is because some preacher peddles you a fool's gold Jesus that he got from the gift shop outside the throne room because he's never been there. I am telling you today 
Salvation is a free gift, but friends, there is more. You can buy more and God has more, but the currency of heaven is intimacy with Jesus. I said the currency of heaven is intimacy with Jesus. You see, we live in such a way, would you stand? We live in such a way where we wonder, we wonder, we wonder, well, why is this person so passionate, so zealous? Why does it seem like their prayers get answered? Why does it seem like they walk in a greater authority? Why does it seem like they hear heaven a whole lot clearer? Why does it seem like this? Why does it seem like that? And again, we're stuck in the comparison, the comparison game of keeping this whole thing horizontal when truly the measure stick for you and me is Lord Jesus and he is vertical. And he says to us, no, no, I counsel you. You know what's going to help your life? You know what's going to help your marriage? You know what's going to get you out of sin? You know what's going to keep you from being stupid time and time again? You know what's going to really set you free into liberation and freedom to live the way I've called you to live and that I paid for with my blood? You buy more from me. I've made a way for you. I've given you salvation. I've put my Holy Spirit in you. But that is just the entrance. That is just the doors of the throne room being open to you. What do you think Jesus has in there that's available to you? I can tell you, gold from fire. Garments that you will never soil. That will actually clothe you from shame and keep you from nakedness. He has a salve for your eyes that will anoint you, power you, place the dunamis power of God on your eyes to see that which is devils, that which is richcraft, and that which is Jesus. Friends, I long to be a part of a church, not just pastor a church, but but be a part of a church, a body, a bride, whose chief concern is buying more fire. But the currency isn't just going to be found in how you tithe. The currency isn't just going to be found in how you worship when you're amongst people and then how you live like sin when you're away from them. The currency isn't going to be Anything that you and I see happen with one another, the currency of heaven is intimacy with Jesus. You want to know how I know? Because Jesus follows us up and he goes, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man shall open up to me, I will come in with him and I will eat with him and he with me. And not only that, the one who eats with me and welcomes me in, I will place him next to me on my throne, next to my father on his throne in heavenly places. Well, Pastor Matt, yeah, I've heard that verse a thousand times. We get it at every, every altar call. Well, we shouldn't do that. This verse isn't for non-believers. This verse is for the church. This isn't about salvation. This is about buying fire. This isn't about salvation. This is about going deeper. This isn't about salvation. This is about staring and looking at the one you've already known for so long, but long to know even more. You see, we say this to non-Christians, but to unbelievers, 
No, no, no. The message to unbelievers is that Jesus went to the cross, died, and rose again for you. The message to the church is that he is at your door, knocking, ready to come in. He longs to be intimate with you, to eat with you, to sit down with you, and have conversations with his son, conversations with his daughter. And it's in those moments and in those conversations, it's at the intimate place of the dinner table with you and him that he will break his bread, he will pour his wine, and he will offer to you all of the things he holds in his throne room. They're available to the son. They're available to the daughter. You don't just get crumbs from his table. The table he sets for you isn't just in the midst of your enemies. It's behind closed doors in his throne room. He has so much more available. And yet we live off crumbs. We live off poverty. We have an impoverished church that claims to belong to the kingdom of heaven. This is wrong. And I'm not talking about God's going to put $20,000 in my bank account today. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. That would be awesome. I'll pray that with you. I'll stand with you if that's what you're feeling you need. Let's go. But he's talking about a greater authority, a greater anointing, a gold that makes you actually rich, not just fool's gold that someone peddled you. A living hope, not just a hope from some historical book, but a living word, a living text with a living God who comes and breathes on it and radiates it through your entire being and changes you from the inside out. This is our hope. This is our Jesus. This is what is offered to us at the table. So we're going to go into the song and then we're going to have a potluck and it's going to be awesome. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you to join along with me. And we are going to pursue this life of not just waiting for Jesus to knock at our door, but we live in such a way with such an open heaven that Jesus knows not just take over church as a organization or a Sunday gathering, but he would know take over church as a body and a people and a bride that based off how you and I live our lives in private, he knows it's open door policy to him. Currency of heaven is intimacy with Jesus. So this morning, if you're interested in buying more fire for yourself, we're gonna sing this song, we're gonna worship, and I'm gonna welcome you up to the altar. I'm not gonna call a team to pray over you. Instead, what I'm gonna ask you to do is to cry out to Jesus. If he's standing at the door and knocking and you've not lived intimately with him, this is your moment. This is your Sunday. This is the time where you spark this intimacy with Jesus and you begin to buy from him all of the things he made available to you. It will cost you intimacy. It will cost you a reputation horizontally. But I am telling you, the fire you receive from him will burn away every comparison, will burn away every false opinion that anybody else horizontally holds of you because you will be captivated by the one who reigns above it all and then he will seat you next to him 
in heavenly places. So I'm going to pray and I invite you forward. If that's you, come, come and be intimate with Jesus. Father God, I ask right now, I ask over these next few moments before we break bread together, before we have a good time together, before we laugh and talk and eat and all of these things, God, I ask right now, Lord, that in this moment you would move, you would move amongst your lampstands, God. I ask right now, God, that you would come, that you would do such a work in us, God, where we would understand our deep need for intimacy with the Father, that, God, we would understand in this moment. Don't wait for me to get done praying. Come forward if that's you. Father, we would understand in this moment, God, you are standing at our door. Who are we, God, that you would come to our door? Who are we to you, God, that you are mindful of us? As David said in the Psalms, I am a friend of God. And when God is your friend and you are a friend of God, he comes to your door and he knocks and he wants to come in. We just have to welcome him. Who are we, God, but sons and daughters? Jesus, we invite you in. We invite you in. We will eat what you break. We will drink what you pour out. We will answer the questions that you ask. We will ask you questions that we've long wrestled with. We will listen as you are patient. We will change as you rebuke. And we will live zealously for you from this moment, God. We long, we long, we long for you and you alone, God. So come in. Come into my home. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Lord, I long for you and you alone. I want gold from fire. I want garments that hide my shame, God. I want anointing so I can see you properly the way you see yourself. In Jesus' mighty name, let us worship. Let us come be intimate before the Lord. Let us bow in his presence. Let us welcome him in. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Come, Jesus, come. Come in and have your way, King of kings.